Today on the Spring Hills Podcast, we're doing a sermon recap of week one of our new series, Let's Be Honest. Pastor Brett and Pastor John Barrett both joined me today on the podcast, so let's get to it. Thank you to John Barrett and Brett for coming down today to talk about, let's be honest, week one. Brett, go ahead and give us a little bit of um, some of your inspiration for doing this series. And uh, I know that you have a lot of feelings and emotions that you're excited to talk about over the next three weeks. So yeah, give us a little bit of a, I don't know, a summary of why you chose this series. Yeah, that, that really is the inspiration is what to do with all the feelings that we have. You know, this period, the shelter in place... Uh, has people, I think, feeling feeling feelings all over the map, you know, from anger that we're still having to do this and fear regarding either my own their own life, you know, what's my job going to be? Am I going to have a job when this is over? To fear for the whole country, the economy, fear about getting the virus. And then for some, it's... Uh, the loneliness, you know, just a feeling of I'm isolated, I'm by myself, you know, Mother's Day with a Zoom call to my kids. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, just the feelings of all that, but not knowing where to go with them. What do you do with them? Which feelings are right? Which feelings are wrong? Is there a wrong feeling? And I'm a Christian and what should I do with it? So it's really going after a felt need. Can I put it that way? <laughs> a felt need of what do I do with all my feelings? Right. I think it's it was nice just to hear at the very top, uh, John Barrett and I were talking about this earlier before we even did this, just we really appreciate your honesty with your own feelings about like even just the story that you told being frustrated and then you shared how your feelings with your buddies in the car and mm-hmm. um, just being uh, a raw with what you're feeling and what you're thinking uh, within these. It makes it really, um, I think you just used the word relatable, John. Yeah, it was relatable. I think that, you know, when your pastor's up there giving the, you know, sharing the word of God and uh, willing to express his shortcomings, willing to express his faults, willing to express his roller coaster of emotions from day to day, moment to moment, based on the current situation that we're in, it's a comforting thing. Um, you know, there's, there's, there, there's, there's a comfort in knowing that you're not the only one that is feeling these things. You're not the only one who's struggling. You're not the only one that gets angry. Um, you know, you look. we look to our pastor as, as our leader, as our shepherd, to know that he struggles in the same struggles that we do, and to know that um, he struggles and questions God at times is, is a good thing to, for us. It's comforting, and I really believe that God uses that to comfort us and to, uh, to draw near to him. So we're, we're grateful for it. I appreciate you saying that, John. I, I've always wanted to take the mystique of the pulpit away yeah, because people just naturally put pastors, you know, we're on staff here. They put staff members on a pedestal. It's, it's natural. And I want to let people know as often as I can that I'm human like them. I have the same temptations they have. I have the same weaknesses, struggles that they have uh, so we really are fellow strugglers. You know, yeah. nobody on staff has arrived and therefore can sort of, you know, talk down from a, a high lifted pulpit to them. Uh, it's really that uh, we're in this together. We're all growing. We're all learning. Uh, but we all have the same uh, struggles. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's nice to know that um, I'm not alone. I mean, that's that's it's an interesting thing. Like we all know none of us are perfect, mm-hmm. but we still have these moments where we'll look at something 
at ourselves that we're doing and just be like, I can't believe that I'm the one doing this. And you realize like, oh yeah, everybody's struggling. And I really think the social media things, uh, kind of a big reason why this happens because you're just seeing everybody's highlight reels yeah. and you're seeing everybody's happy and everybody's taking fun family pictures and they all get along. And it's like, oh my goodness, I wish that our <laughs> family was that joyful and happy all the time. And then you kind of realize it's those pictures, you know, the side by sides where it's like Instagram yeah. versus real life. Yeah. And like the people that crop something out or whatever. We've laughed. I mean, we've had great family pictures where people go, you look so happy in that picture. What a great time you must have had. And my wife and I look at each other. Little do they know that five minutes earlier, it was just a I was in a disaster. fist fight with my son. <laughs> fist fight with my son. No, but, you know, the magic meltdown happened, whatever my, the case might be. But, um, you know, the pictures just show a small snippet. And we're always trying to be our best in that moment. But that's not real life. Real life is struggle. Real life is emotion. And real life is um, not always knowing what's going to happen and what to do. And um, with that comes just a roller coaster of emotion and frustrations, anxiety, anger, all of those things. I think social media... For the most part. I mean, I, I enjoy it. I like to go on Instagram and Twitter. And it's Facebook. a great tool for yeah, a lot a of things. Tool. So I'm not downing, you know, Neither social media. Neither am I. I understand. But having said that, I do think that social media increases loneliness. Mm -hmm. It increases the, the fear of missing out. Missing out that my life is, man, my life sucks and I don't get to go on those trips and they look so happy and it, it can be a deceiving thing. Sure. I think it can be a false stature. I think it can show a false reality. You know, again, it's great to celebrate Mother's Day. Great to have pictures with mom. Great to celebrate birthdays. Show all of that. Celebrate that. But if that's all you see and you're someone who's alone and you're someone who doesn't have that. Or you've lost or your you've mother, lost perhaps. Your mother, it doesn't, about it doesn't yeah. fill in the missing mm. emotions. It just sort of gives you one snapshot of somebody's life. Yeah. No pun intended. But it gives you a snapshot, and uh, you just sort of compare yourself. We're right. always comparing ourselves. That's the other thing. So anytime we can be real, honest, authentic with another person, we really bless them because they go, wow, you know, you have the same struggles I do. Yes, you have the same uh, problems I have. Yes. And it, it, brings, it brings unity. People right. are more drawn to our weaknesses than they are they are our successes. Well, I agree. I mean, I know for me, when I go to try, when I'm feeling called to encourage somebody, I often feel more encouraged than probably the person that I tried to encourage, just because I'm relating to them and what their situation is, and really it's pulling me to look at my situation and go, okay, I'm not the only one that experiences that. I don't go into all of those encouraging moments with that mindset, but I come out of them because God, because God uses that to show me that I am not alone, and there are others who are struggling just as I am. By right. the way, John you know? Barrett, you are a wonderful pastor. I just want to say that to you. You really are. I mean, I know I'm pastor of the church, um, and my gifting is in the area of communication, teaching, preaching, leading, and such. But on our staff, you are a great pastor. I was, just want to say that to you. And Thank anybody you, who's listening by way of podcast, know that. And uh, you've probably been encouraged by John Barrett. Thank you. I have. The gift of compassion and to listen. I mean, I talked about that uh, recently. I was talking to Caitlin about that, like, Listening for me, listening to people is more of something I have to make an effort at to really be like listening and paying attention to what you're saying, because I want to talk. I'm a talker. 
And so like having, uh, not to say that I don't have compassion, but seeing the compassion that you have, you've talked to me through some things, John, and you've, uh, you've spent time praying with me. It really is. I mean, I know we're uh, we're supposed to be talking about the sermon, but we'll compliment John for a minute and yeah, hey, this and isn't really all about John Barrett. I do want to say that. Oh, I appreciate that blessing, guys. Thank <laughs> we really you do much. appreciate. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. your pastoral gifts. I wanted to ask you, Brett. This is kind of a tangent, but maybe not because it is. Uh, we're on the same topic here. But you you said like Christians, uh, you're talking about the feelings that people have and they might feel bad about because I'm a Christian. I shouldn't feel angry. I shouldn't feel this or this or this. Um, I've always been just being uh, an athlete. I've always been told by people, not everybody, but there's been numerous people in my life that Christians can't be competitive. And this is something that I was talking yeah. about with someone earlier this week because we were talking about Christians being angry and it's not being angry that's a sin. It's what you're doing with your anger. And so I wanted to ask you that. Um, so yeah, just like Christians being competitive, can you be, is it the same answer? You can be competitive as long as you don't, you know, sin in your competitiveness and start talking yeah. trash. Yeah. And <laughs> you're, you are competitive and you're good ball player too. Uh, but the, also that, that could be looked at this way. Should a Christian be ambitious is another mm -hmm. way of looking at that because some people go, should I be ambitious? Should I be competitive? And, and to me, the answer to that would be, what are you competitive about? What are you ambitious about? Like for the apostle Paul, he was ambitious and he says it to plant churches where churches didn't exist. That was his passion. In other words, he was competitive word. for the gospel. Yeah. He, yes. And he says in one of his uh, his testimony about how he uh, came to know Christ. It's 1 Corinthians 15, I believe. He talks about, but, you know, by the grace of God, he was what he was. But God's grace to him didn't wasn't in vain because he worked harder than everybody else. That's what he says. Yeah. I worked harder. And he did. You watch it, you look at his life and it's amazing how much the apostle Paul accomplished. So ambition, competition, passion, you know, all good things if they're directed in the right way. I agree. And you're humble about it. I mean, Paul yeah. always gives God the credit always. Right. You know, um, I'm strong because of him, you know, when I'm weak, I'm strong because in my weakness, I'm strong because of Christ, you know? And so he's giving him the credit. He's boasting in Christ in his competitiveness. And I think that is a, a, a place where we all want to be. Too many know? Christians aren't passionate enough. I agree. I They're agree. not competing, you know, like even our church. We're competing for the attention of a community that has many other things to do on a weekend than watch an online service right now. We're competing for that attention and we're doing it for the glory of God. I agree. I think just to become complacent and, and to sit and, and understand, okay, when I say this, I don't, I, I believe that God is sovereign and has a plan and God will orchestrate his plan through the church. That being said, we can't just sit back and go, well, God's going to take care of everything. God's going to do everything. We need to recognize the fact that God is going to use us to execute his plan. And I think we can be ambitious about that and seeking him and coming to him and saying, God, how are you going to use me? How can I work for you? You know, how can I bring others to you? How can you use me to get the gospel out? Show me different ways. Be passionate about that. I think you can be competitive and passionate about that. Yeah, the right, reference yeah, is no. in First Corinthians uh, fifteen ten that I was talking about. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, talking about the other disciples. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not 
I, here's your point, John, he gives glory to God, but the grace of God that is with me. So right. it's God's power in me and I'm working hard. Yeah. I'm yeah. going for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was just something that was on my mind because it's something I've, um, just the range of emotions that I felt guilty about in my life over, um, and I know being competitive isn't necessarily an emotion. It's just, I mean, I want to win. I hate to lose more than I love to win is kind of what I've always said. <laughs> and so, but within that becomes the, the ability to become angry and frustrated quicker. And then, um, having to kind of hone that in throughout my life to be like, no, it's okay to be competitive. And I'll credit my, my high school pastor with this because he's the most competitive person I've ever met in my life. And he has completely honed it into he is competitive for the gospel and he's planted a church and he's going after lost people. And he's really using that. Now he, if you go fishing with him, he's going to catch the bigger fish. That's going <laughs> to happen. Um, if you play any kind of sports with him, he will beat you and you will, or at least he will, uh, he'll die trying. And but it's an emotion. It's you know, an emotion. Emo- yeah, yeah. You're feeling it. You're feeling that. Right. And you're wondering, should I be feeling this? You know, when I get on the court, I feel this. When right. we, when you put together a worship set and, you know, you want it to be really good, you're feeling that and you're going, is this right or wrong? And I, if I feel this intensely. And, um, you know, the, the, the uh, line or the, the way to discern it is you're feeling this because you want and to your point, you want to win. I want to win. Okay. Or I don't but, want to lose. That's actually more of lose. what it is. I don't want but to lose. But when you lose, you're not a jerk. Yeah, what's the, your reaction? You know what I mean? You're not a jerk. You're like, okay, I played hard as I could. And you accept it and you go on. So Now, um, it might be a surprise, but I'm not perfect in that. I think when I've lost at some points. <laughs> I know. I know. I just shattered the illusion. But one of the, one of the quotes I wrote down from your sermon kind of speaks to that. Emotions need to be fully expressed yeah. but selectively expressed. Yeah, you know, actions. I didn't say that right. Let you know? me say it right you say now. Say it right. Yeah. I'm not saying it right, but that makes sense the way you said it. Yeah, That's I'll it. let yeah. me correct it. That's you got it. You have it right, but let me uh, this is what I meant to sure. say. That emotions need to be fully acknowledged got it. and selectively expressed. Got it. And I didn't go back when I was doing the sermon because I was like three quarters of the way through. I told my Facebook live audience today that when I record the sermon, I start and I go. We we don't cut and paste. So if I'm three quarters of the way done, I can't restart, but fully acknowledged and selectively expressed. That was the idea. Go ahead. Makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. Yeah. I think I implied that from what you were saying, but no, definitely. You have to acknowledge your emotions. You have to let them out. You have to voice them, voice them to God, speak them out. Don't hold them inside. But what is your uh, action based on off of that? Are you going to act out in anger? Are you going to lash out the people that you love? Uh, you know, are you going to be condemning of others because of your own insecurities, your own anxieties? There's lots of ways to focus your emotions um, and focusing them in a competitive way for a good thing. I think yeah. is good, but we want to be cautious. Yeah, you that. don't get into fights you know? on the court yeah. and stuff like that. Like some people say this, <laughs> right? Most well, of the time. The funny story is how that honest Kate, do you want to be here? Caitlin, here? And, Caitlin and I, the the people ask us the how we met story. Well, this wasn't how we met, but how we kind of started dating. It was basically something that was turning into a fight because someone took my legs out and I fell on my neck and I got up. I was mad. It's a friend of mine that did this and I was mad. And he says, you try to dunk on me again, I'll do it again. And that, that fired me up and people had to hold us apart. And I felt really ashamed of the way that I, uh, I acted in my frustration and anger and started to contact all the all the people that were at the game to apologize to them that that was what that was how I reacted and Caitlin was one of the only people to respond to me 
which three is weeks it, later we're we're in a relationship. So it's kind of what Bible started. verse that somewhere in the scripture it says, "If you start it, I'll finish it." If you, well, maybe not. <laughs> No, but you, you know, the acknowledge, <laughs> but no, I don't get into fights. Sorry. That was a tangent. Acknowledge your emotions and selectively express them. That's a really important concept. Eye for an eye. Too, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tooth for, I'll knock your teeth out for you. But, uh, so here's an example. Some people, when they get angry, they say this, they go, when I get angry, I just get it all out. And then I feel great. Right. So it's like, I feel angry and I just get it out. Well, what about all the people that are devastated from your anger, hurt by your anger, shaken up by your anger? Yeah, what destruction did you leave? Well, yeah, well, so that's not a that's I not a statement a, to be proud of. No, I just think of a wake, you know, just right. a wake of, yeah. of, of people. The just, ripple effect. Yeah, the ripple effect. So, so selectively express your anger. There's yeah. constructive ways to do it. I mean, yeah, you took it out, but look at your child now. Yeah. You, know, you took it out. Look at your wife now. Yeah. You know? Look at your relationships. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and in the other extreme is this. Okay. With anger, you can, you can repress your anger. Bottle it up. Bottle it up. And then those people, they don't, they don't just fly off the handle real hot and fast. They have settled resentment yeah. and bitterness and, you know, a desire to get revenge at the right moment. So both examples are are examples of not acknowledging it. That would be the repressor. Yeah. Or not selectively express it. That's the one who flies off the handle. So, you know, feel your feelings and then ask God for wisdom. What would we say? Like, let's let's take one of these emotions, whether it's anger, fear, worry, um, whatever it is. What would we say? What would be our advice to people, to uh, those that have repressed it and bottled it up, and maybe you're dealing with that right now, that don't know where to go with it because, uh, and I'll, I'll say that this is kind of coming from my own experience recently because I've dealt with some, um, some stressful health things. And I, the first you know month I was dealing with it, I completely kept it to myself. I didn't talk to anyone about it. And then it kind of bubbled up over kind of like a, a shaken up soda bottle where it was just kind of like, I couldn't really control my emotions then because I was just like a, an emotional wreck with it. And I realized like I was trying to, I was trying to like not be a nuisance to people. And instead, what happened was I ended up kind of mistreating some people because of the way that I bottled up my own fear and my own, um, I mean, I, I guess I'll call it sadness. But uh, yeah, so what's our advice for people that are dealing with that right now, a repressed emotion? I, I like the, the Psalm 42 where the psalmist says, why? Why have you forgotten me? Yeah. And why have you forgotten me? Why art thou so downcast? Yeah. Why art thou so downcast? Oh, my soul. So to ask yourself a question, you know. What's going on in me right now? What's going on? I mean, just sort of, instead of just denying it or repressing it, what's going on in me? If you had a safe, you know, person you could talk to, that's why, John, your ministry with our Stephen ministry here at the church is so important because people can have a safe place to talk about it. I mean, I I think that's so key because some of us, some of us talked about our anger in the past and we were shut down. Sure. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've spoken with when they are through with a talk or through with a time of encouragement. And I maybe say 10 words, but I'm listening, uh, giving them the opportunity to speak what's on their heart, giving them the opportunity to lament, to be frustrated, to cast their anger out. You know, and we try to, as time goes on, 
take that off of myself or the pastor or the Stephen minister and directly have them bring that to God. Like, is taking place in the psalm here. You know, God's big enough to understand. God's big enough to take your anger. God's big enough to, um, you know, allow you, and he's obviously sovereign enough to allow you to come to him in anger and question him. He's okay with that. Yeah. We need Not to intimidated. Do that. Not intimidated. Because he knows that's what's best for you. He knows in that moment that's what you need. So he's going to sit there and listen. You you bring up a good point. You know, You're a good listener. Sometimes we don't give God enough credit for those. God's a great things. listener. <laughs> great listener. And you are too. Um, that's an important thing if you think of the other side of it. Somebody brings you an emotion they want to share. You know, this happens in marriages. You know, maybe your wife's fearful. Sure. And what does a husband typically do that ruins everything? Is he starts to fix it. He gets frustrated if you, honey, you know, if we just did this. If you're thirsty, get some water. Yeah. And so you, you, your, wife, out the manual. <laughs> your wife has fear and you try to fix the <laughs> yeah. fear. Well, that's the worst thing you can do. Sure. The best thing is to really listen and to have good eye contact and nod your head and understand. I mean, the best counselors are the ones that say very little. Say very little. You know, that's why I'm not a great counselor because I start to teach. I go to a Bible first, you know, it's like, you try to fix it. I try, try to, fix to fix it, it. Yeah. with a it's hard. With theology. It's a, it's a, I understand that. Cause I've done that too. It's a hard, um, it's a hard balance. It's a well, hard balance. We want to fix it. I think Brett, you and I on the yeah. Enneagram scale, we're both sevens. So if you're talking to me about something that's not fun and happy, I want to quickly try to change that to yeah. something that's fun and happy. So let me show you how to be fun and happy yeah. right now. <laughs> and that's not always what, and you know, Caitlin, thank goodness. She's uh she knows a lot about just personality types and things. So she kind of understands that about me and doesn't hold that against me. But um, yeah, I mean, listening to somebody is not an easy thing when you're wanting to just be like, hey, if this is a problem, it's kind of like that old uh, that old skit that uh, I think it's Bob Newhart that does where he's a therapist and he, he only has, he's like, I only need one minute with you. What's your problem? Oh, I'm scared of this. And he goes, okay, well, stop it. <laughs> right. Just stop it. And like, that's the whole skit and it's hilarious, but that's kind of what we do sometimes is essentially it's me just being like, Oh, you're scared right now. Just stop. Stop being scared. There was a good uh, devotional from pastor Rick Warren about just, you know, being slow to speak and quick to listen. And the whole, the whole idea behind it was, is uh, someone goes into a pastor's office with an issue and they leave feeling frustrated because as soon as the, the person spoke their issue, the pastor went right into a scripture on how to fix it. Right. And, you know, to Rick's point was, is we need to hear to know, we mm -hmm. need to hear to know what the issue is. And as a counselor, as a pastor, when we hear it, we know it, we understand it, we pray about it, then we can bring scripture, we can bring the truth of God. The beautiful thing about God is God already knows. So when we're in our frustrated moment, we can go to him directly and it happens. You he know? already knows. He already knows. That. That's good. You know? Well, and that's the whole point. Let's yeah. be honest. I mean, God yeah. knows your feelings exactly. and your emotions, but sharing it with God. Yeah goes, I mean, it's a long way for you to just open up and be honest with yourself about, you know what, I'm scared right now. That's why I'm acting out this way. That's why I feel this way. That's why. And when we vocalize it, we hear it. Yeah. And we don't always hear it unless we vocalize it. And sometimes we need to hear it from ourselves. God always provides that opportunity for us to hear it for ourselves also. You know, I'll share something uh, vulnerable here. When, when Eve and I were dating, uh, we went to counseling for our marriage and premarital counseling. A lot of couples do that. It's great. We have a lot of that here at the mm -hmm. church too, mentoring for premarital. But we went and uh, we were, we took a test. It was, I was in Dallas at the time and uh, 
we had access to the MMPI, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. What in the world? The MMPI. Some of our listeners will know what that is, but it's a 950 question, 950 oh, wow. question personality test. I didn't know test. it was that many questions. I've heard of it before. I didn't yeah. know it was that 950. many questions. 950. 950. So even I both took it. So we go, and it measures all kinds of things, psychosis, anger, you know, all it just measures like everything. When we sat down with a counselor and he evaluated my MMPI, he said, if I was to go out on the street right now and get 100 people, you'd be in the top 1% for anger. <gasps> yeah. Wow. And I that went, was genuine shock in my voice. No, just it so was. everybody knows. It was for me too. <laughs> me too. And then I got my I got my uh, fiance with me too. I'm like, oh boy, there goes who's that. the who's oh, the oh. like the sweetest person I think <laughs> Eve, any of us have yeah, ever met. Eve, she was low on that scale, but I was like, oh boy, you know. Well, it was one of those things where, and I, I would notice I would notice it sometimes because even I would be driving somewhere and we come to a stoplight. And it would be taking long for the stoplight to turn. And I'd get mad at it, you know, like that wasn't going to change the light. Right. But I get mad at it. And then Eve would say, she would say, well, it's, it's okay. It's such a nice day. You know, we got a nice sunny day. And then I get angry at her. Right. I understand. Cause she was like trying to fix the anger. Uh, but she was uncomfortable because I'm angry at the stop Mm -hmm. at the stoplight. And she cares about you. She doesn't want you to be angry. No, Right. And so but you don't hear that. There were a lot of things going on there that I didn't know about. But what my point is, all of a sudden I went, I need to be honest about what I'm angry about, what's really going on inside me. And I've got to, I've got to quit pretending. I've got to get to understanding this. And, and a lot of it had to do with my perfectionism. A lot of it had to do with how critical I was of my own spiritual holiness and lack of it. Uh, so I was heaping a big uh, legalistic burden on myself, among other things, uh, that was really driving that anger deep down. And then it, it opened it up for Eve and I because I, the counselor encouraged me to start talking about it, start talking about it, and it was really, really helpful. So now if you were to get 100 people on the street, I'd probably only be in the top 5%. Hey, <laughs> improve, no, <laughs> improvement. I, I'm growing. I can so relate Growth. to that. As a person who struggled with anxiety most of my life, it manifests through anger at times. Mm. Uh, it comes out in you know a loud voice and a frustration and a shortness, especially with the people I love. Yeah, you, you got vulnerable about that in a devotional a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, it just happens. I mean, I've got it to where I bring it to God probably 95% of the time, <laughs> but there's those 5% of the times where I try to just do it myself. Doesn't work doesn't work and I end up hurting those that I love and those are the people that I, I most not want to hurt you know right. and it just comes out and so I try to um, you know remember that and ask God daily for guidance in that and show that to me before uh, I do have a, a little outburst so to speak and yeah. and like to your point Brett when my wife Sherry will try to calm me down or correct me how does that just, work yeah it doesn't work. <laughs> Because I don't want to hear that. But again, it's, it's, I don't want to hear it because I know that I'm not in a good place. I know it's my issue. Right. And I, and I feel bad about it. And so again, it comes out in the way that it shouldn't. So it's a work in progress, but uh, you know, God's big enough again to, to, to do that. You know, journaling is a good place to start writing things out. Write your honest feelings down. I podcast mine now. 
Yeah. I'll just I, sit down I, at a I, mic and I'll talk them out. And like, it's a, I mean, it's just Ooh, a, we get to hear an audible, that? an audible <laughs> journal. Caitlin and I have done it a few times where we've both just got on a microphone. I'm like, let's just record a conversation oh, that's awesome. and just like, let's just talk about this. And of course I'm like trying to, this is when I'm trying to figure out the tech side of this and all that. But, um, it's actually insanely helpful to just talk, talk about through things. your feeling it. Rick Warren, you mentioned yeah. Rick. Uh, he had a quote. I really like it. He says the revealing of your feeling is the beginning of healing. It's a great quote. It's a great quote. I was looking, um, so Brett, I've got this passage here. You went into Psalm 25, 16 through 18. Um, Let me get back to it here in my Bible. 16 through 18. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. You, you talked, you mentioned a couple different Psalms here and, um, you know, I've, I've looked, I've gone through different series where, you know, you go from Psalm one all the way through the entire book. And, uh, it is amazing to see just the vast differences of, or, uh, range of emotions that are going through here. And David is such a, he's an emotional guy. And one of the reasons I love the Psalms is just because, you know, it's like, it's so much singing and so much, Mm -hmm. um, and it's not always, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, and I'll use the word emo sometimes where it's, uh, it gets kind of like, it gets dark at some points. Um, and it's really like, it's relatable to, cause I go, man, I'm, I'm that way. I go up and down roller coaster, uh, emotions of being like really happy and then kind of getting really sad or upset. And, uh, and this isn't all the time, but it's when I'm going through something and I notice that just range of of emotions. And this is, uh, I love be, uh, turn to me and be gracious to me for I'm lonely and afflicted. And I kind of, I feel like I've said those exact words to, to my spouse, just being like, be gracious to me because I'm lonely and afflicted and I'm trying not to, not to act this way or do this. But, um, I love that verse is a great verse to, yeah, to dive that into was, here. Uh, I shared that verse in the context of the different causes yeah. of feeling, overwhelmed right. or feeling depressed. There are a lot of different causes. And one of the causes I mentioned was the uh, regret for sin, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what David's expressing in Psalm 25 is his, tr- the troubles of his heart. And he says, consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. I mean, there is a, some people uh, feel this and I want to get at this in this series. I think they feel a lot of their feelings of despondency and hopelessness and discouragement because of the sanctification gap, you know, the holiness gap, they see who God is and who they are and they get really discouraged by that. And it really can weigh them down. It can, but you know, that's where we need to be though too. And that's the the thing. When you start seeing your, when you start seeing that gap, I mean, you spiritually develop in ways that you could never have imagined. You see the grace of God. Yes, Exactly. Um, I do love that troubles of my heart are enlarged. Uh, to me, that yeah. really is just a, it, it gives you an image of your heart beating faster. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, a time of turmoil, a time of lamenting, knowing, uh, that you did fall short, knowing that you, uh, you know, you do sin and, and, and knowing that you need forgiveness for that. And you're embarrassed by your sin. David you know? was such an amazing, yeah. uh, psalmist, Big time. songwriter, you know, King David, a man after God's own heart. One of the reasons for sure is the way he put together songs to God that were honest. Uh, maybe that's part of what it means to be a man after God's own heart. Well, David woman. was far from perfect. Yeah. Uh, to be a man or woman after God's own heart is to express honesty to God. 
and to do it, he did it in such a beautiful way. I mean, so many of the worship songs that we sing yeah. are taken yeah. right from the Psalms. Right. Yeah. 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 Regret. Um, and then you had the, you mentioned purposelessness, yes. um, which that's something I, I think love that a lot of people. I of Ecclesiastes. 217. Yeah. 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 Uh, yes, you have it there? Life. Yeah. It's so good. Where Solomon, you know, richest man in the world at the time, uh, wisest man in the world, had some issues, Solomon did. But he says in Ecclesiastes 2.17, So I hated life because of what was done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and is striving after wind. It's like, oh, there's no purpose to it. None of it. It all comes back around. It's the same thing. But just a great Ecclesiastes. To you who are listening, if you've never read through the book of Ecclesiastes, you must. It'll make you honest about everything yeah. in life. It really will. Yeah. Yeah. Purposelessness. I feel like I've talked to a lot of people through this time, um, the shelter in place and uh, people that are, uh, I mean, we've talked about, we've talked about this in step four of growth track where we're, we're created to be doing something and yes. to have an eternal impact. And I, I think I, I've seen a lot of people when they're talking about like, I mean, it's kind of just the idle hands thing. Like I just want to be doing something and I can't be doing something. I don't get to go to work we can't go outside. We can't do this. We can't do this. And people are feeling a little helpless in that way and needing to have purpose. And um, I know Caitlin and I have talked about this a lot too, just needing to have, have purpose and feeling like you're, you're, you're accomplishing something. And we're kind of feeling empty. Some people are feeling empty of that right now. Now, some are also on the, the complete um, opposite spectrum where they're overworking and they're, they're really, they're working double time and, yeah, yeah. and they're on the opposite of that. But yeah, yeah, God made us to work. God made us to uh, make a difference. Be productive. As we talked about yeah. be productive, and you can only clean your house so oh, many times. Right. You know, only paint, <laughs> can only paint the kid's bedroom once or yeah. twice. You could change yeah. the color yeah. and paint oh. it again. I guess. I mean, but uh, yeah, people are feeling that. Uh, what is my life about? You know, and yeah. maybe that's a good thing too, though, because it gets back to what is the true purpose, meaning in life. And as the Westminster Catechism says that, you know, what is the purpose of life, the goal of life to glorify God, yeah, right. to enjoy him forever. So it's, it, this time is stripping away a lot of things yeah. that were security for us, that were uh, things that made us feel good and worthwhile. And it's stripping it away to the place where we say, who is, who is God in my life? And, and again, I think the Psalms are going to help that. Yeah connect you to your real purpose, the real longing of your heart. That's why I like the way the psalm begins, you know, as a deer pants for the water brooks, uh, so my soul pants after you, oh God. It, it, you know, desperate psalms, desperate emotions coming back to, I'm really thirsting for you, oh God. Right. And then uh, the next one, I tried to I tried to write out, you have your notes there, I'm guessing you could do a little better, also. but yeah, Psalm yeah. 22 is the next one I have here, the loss of sense of, the, yeah. a loss of a sense of God's presence, yeah. um, Psalm 22. Um, do you have that one right there too, Brett? Uh, yeah, Psalm 22, and this is a uh, Messianic Psalm as well. I didn't point that out in the sermon. Messianic being, it's a, uh, a prophetic Psalm, a Messianic Psalm regarding Jesus, mm -hmm. because Jesus says these words on the cross. Mm -hmm. Uh, but David is, is expressing his grief. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so so far from saving uh, me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do you do. 
excuse me, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. So, my God, my God, you know, where are you? Where are you? Lost lost the sense of the presence of God. And Jesus on the cross says these words, Mm -hmm. uh, quoting David here, quoting the Psalms. Um, And it was at that point that many theologians believe that Jesus really did take on the sin of the world or the father couldn't yeah. look upon yeah. his son. I mean, it, theologically it's, it's uh, packed with meaning, but people feel that, you right. know, where is God? I feel, I feel, I don't feel connected to him, which is why the church is so important to be together. So we do feel the presence of God. And yeah. Then we go into the relational disconnection. Um, you know, you have the connection you mentioned connection with family and then us as a staff, we're still, uh, putting together the services and the kids' videos and all those different things. Which, by the way, if you've got kids in your family, check out um, the YouTube channel that we've got because the Next Gen team is working hard to put these videos onto YouTube so your kids also have, um, have they get to have church. They get to enjoy church as well, and they've done a great job with that. And every week, uh, it's just getting better and better. Yeah, so amen, Garrett. We appreciate that. It's really thought. cool no, that the staff a, is doing that. Absolute doing a great blast. A lot of encouragement from parents, a lot of encouragement from kids, you know, little notes and things like that. And so if you have not checked it out before, you have kids, we really encourage you to come. There's worship. There's a relevant Bible story. We always bring the gospel into it, and it's just a great way for your kids to, you know, learn something new about God and get connected to Jesus. So we would love to have you guys come on. And they're for the different out. ages, too. Absolutely. So the preschool, jam-packed first through fourth graders, and then Club 5-6 five, five, as six, well. So, yeah. But yeah, so getting back to the relational disconnection, um, and then us as a staff being able to be together and working on some of these projects and, and things like that. But man, do we miss our church people. Like, we do. Oh my goodness. It's amazing to, to be on the stage and, and leading worship. And I know like worship is about God, but and it's about glorifying Him, praising Him for everything that He's doing. But I I miss having the people in the room with us and, and doing that together. It's crazy how much I miss it. Well, we've made a lot of care calls as a church to, you know, elderly people that can't get out and do these things. And that's the number one thing that they voice yeah. is not being able to come in and have that physical connection. Great, They greatly appreciate the phone calls. They greatly appreciate the acknowledgement and the worry that, you know, and, and the care for them. But not to be able to come here and see your church family, not to be able to worship in community, not be able to hear the word of God in community, not to be able to you know, have the fellowship that God designed us to have face to face. Um, it's a big loss. It's a big loss for a lot of people. So we are all looking forward to when yeah, we can and, open up and again. What happens when we're together live uh, can't be duplicated mm-hmm. online. It just can't. It's uh, Holy Spirit. Uh, Holy yeah, Spirit. Yeah. And the, the body of Christ yeah. and the Spirit in us. I know. Uh, you can't get back another. to Narnia the same way. No. no. You know, uh, Something I like, to be said for that, though. It's true. I, mean, I like man. to listen to Martin Lloyd-Jones, and yeah. you staff guys know this. He's To me, he's he's the best. Oh, I always say that. He's the best. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he's dead now. But he um, didn't want himself to be uh, tape-recorded. And he, that's how I listen to him now, or you can read his books too. But he didn't want recordings of his sermons. And the reason he didn't want recordings is because he just believed too much is lost. You, yeah. cannot, you cannot get the Word of God and without the experience of the people of God together. And it, it was an interesting thing when I heard that, because <clears throat> we tend to think, well, we'll preach and then we'll get the word out. <clears throat> but you can't. 
No, I think, you know, preaching from the front or just, you know, engagements that, I, that I've had with people one-on-one, you th- there's something to be said for that eye-to-eye oh, contact, the reaction. Yes. Um, you know, you, you, you can read the audience a little bit better. It leaves more room for the Holy Spirit to work yes. in you, to, to maybe choose your words a little differently. I don't know. It's just all of those things. I obviously have a minimal amount of experience compared to what you have. But I, I think, you know, I think I feel like that's probably what you are experiencing too, from, from the pulpit, just to a camera, not oh, man. being able to speak to the oh, crowd. Man. So to speak, just, just different. Well, we noticed know? that with the, the first one, the throwback, um, yeah. the throwback Thursday, your message. Great. And we're, we're like, I mean, lively. we were all, we were all texting you yeah. during it. We're like, Oh my yeah. gosh, dude, you're on fire with this. <laughs> and we're like, it's because he's got the people in yeah. the room that are, that are, he's seeing the that. reactions yeah. and the emotion and the, um, the response from people. And yeah, it, I mean, it's, it well, helps so, so much. The, the, uh, some people were saying, and I think they were well-meaning and everything that early on, it's like, you're not as funny, you know, uh, and all that. Oh, kind you of mean stuff. the recording? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, like, yeah. Cause no one's in the room funny. to laugh. And I'm like, when you do humor, you know, and, uh, do humor, I don't mean to sound, that sound weird, but when you're, if you're a speaker and you're doing humor, you don't go down that road if you're not getting response. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, and you can read a room. Yeah. I mean, you can feel a room like, are they ready for this or not? And a lot of times you might get a thought in your mind and because of what you're sensing in the room, you don't, you don't say it or other times it's perfect timing yeah. and it's because of the people, the dynamic. And so I'm looking at a camera with nobody in the room and I'm just like, it's risky. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to say something you think is funny. I mean, even Sarah, talking about the yeah. ticket. I thought yeah. that would have been, I mean, I'm, I was picturing that. that I mean, been I was so like, funny. I don't know if this is working. I know, Brett. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great. It was. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> but I think you're right. I mean, I, yeah, you, yeah. You don't want to be scripted when you teach. You don't no, want to be scripted, no. but you you have to kind of be because again, you just you can't read the room. No. You no. know? Well, and that's why on the weekends when we are doing our four services, not I don't think any of your services are duplicates because you no. are yeah. you are reacting and responding to yeah. who's in the room. Exactly. Exactly. I don't and not sure what that has to do with anything. Well, Maybe yeah. Do we get off track here? I don't know. Maybe oh, you I know, t- relational we were talking about right. relational connection. I always take us off that's track. All right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, people, uh, they're feeling what they're feeling because they're not connected. Right. Yeah. Particularly depression. I mean, yeah. uh, depression, uh, many psychologists will say, is a result of disconnection. Yeah. And then some people feel depressed when they get with people. They don't know how to connect even when they're with them. Right. But if you can't be with them, uh, that feeling um, of not having relationship is is profound for the emotions. And that's why we say, or depression, that's why we say the unintended consequences of this shelter in place for people who are prone to depression. I'm telling you, it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's big. And, you know, a Zoom call or a Zoom group might help to a certain extent, but it's long term. This is not good. Well, because most people have something going on in their lives that they're struggling with, right? And you have this overlying umbrella now of this big struggle for everyone. So it only increases the struggle that you've already had, makes it worse, you know, just just increases yeah. what you're dealing with. Yeah. yeah, if you struggle with anxiety, I mean, this is... Multiply this is it by be, 10. This is hard. I yeah. mean, this is crazy. Because you can't get um, out. You have, you, you're isolated. You don't have the, the resources. Even if you weren't fully voicing your anxieties before, you were still having that one-on-one human connection that God's designed for us and yes, for our lives. You right. don't have that anymore. 
Well, yeah, and that kind of leads us to this, Brett. You said, uh, you know, talking to yourself instead of yourself talking to you. Did I get that right? Yeah, that was another one I kind of. (laughs) You you went. Well, I still thought it. I still thought it made a lot of sense because I'm listening to it, and it's it's. I mean, it's what he's doing in this psalm. Why are you so downcast, my soul? Like, what do you? Why are you so overwhelmed? Why are you so upset? Yeah, he's talking to himself. He's He's talking talking to himself. himself. He's talking to himself. So here's the the point. Yeah, uh, stated clearly. Talk to yourself rather than letting yourself talk to you. Love it. All right. So you say this, you say self. Now God is there self. Now God, his love for you is unconditional. Jesus paid it all. Now self, you're not alone. The Lord has said he'll never leave you or forsake you. So that's the idea. Rather than letting yourself just go wild, right? And do all the talk. You turn around and talk to yourself. Yeah. For me, what I, what I told, I wrote this down. It was like a self pep talk from the scriptures. Yeah. That's the way I took that, you know, and I've done that for myself. I've brought in myself. Well, obviously the truth of God is what's brought me out of it, but the spirit calling on me to do that for myself is just so therapeutic and it's so helpful and it will bring you out of what you're in. I, I, it, it always has for me, but it's when I don't do that. That I can tell you. Have you ever listened? You listen to yourself. Yeah, talk. you do. Like in the shower. Absolutely. In the shower, it comes out for me some reason. Evil mm-hmm. saying, "Who are you talking to?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel embarrassed because I've been, I've been saying, I start saying stuff. It's weird. I'm like, man, when I'm when I get older, I hope this doesn't get worse. You I'm gonna have to I mean? start trying this. <laughs> but I'll be talking, just getting out some yeah, emotion yeah, and saying things, way. even to myself. And you got to turn around and speak to yourself and say, "Now is that true?" You know, and the devil can even get in there. I mentioned that too, spiritual warfare. And he can take what you just start talking to yourself that's not true and he can grind it. You know, so it's, it's almost like giving him a little bit of a, yeah, uh, um, getting him, you know, a creak in the door and he's yeah. going to stick his foot in and try to really mess that's you well up said, with it. Garrett, yeah. That's well said. Yeah. Because yeah. he'll take it and run with it. He's not going to encourage you. Right. I mean, <laughs> and that's how you recognize the voice of the spirit over what what may be a really the devil is that the devil will always try to grind you 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 there you've done it again you right. know there's no hope for you you'll never you'll never get this right uh whatever it might be you'll never overcome mm-hmm. a weakness you'll never get a job because you're just weak you know you don't have enough personality or you're not pretty enough or you're not i mean that's always the voice of the devil or shame that's coming from our background or whatever. The voice of the Spirit's the opposite. God loves you. Jesus forgives you. You know, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Um, God is is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, so... The voice of the Spirit's going to speak the truth of the yeah, Word Yeah, the Scripture. Yeah, the Scripture, you know. So we got to discern yeah. the Spirit's. And dis- discern, or, or might say discern the voices. Right. Yeah, Which kind of brings us to your train analogy. The engine is the yeah, truth. That's got to drive it. And that's what's got to drive it. Yeah. Let the engine, uh, let the engine, let the truth drive your life. I love that. Um, when you're going through emotions, you need to get back to what's true. Simple. So, simple. Yeah. Easy to understand. Brett, I'm excited to see where you go with this, uh, this series, because this is, I mean, it's very relatable. Um, I think that's a that's a good word to describe it. Super relatable. Everybody's going through some kind of emotion. Yeah. Um, maybe some people are just just straight up annoyed, uh, and that could be something. <laughs> I could be honest and say that that yeah. come that I I experience the annoyance sometimes where oh. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is annoying. Uh, but yeah, the emotions are all over the map with everybody. Uh, so I think this is a great series. Brett, you know what? You uh, I don't know if anybody's told you this. You do a good job picking your messages. Did you know that? You know that's that's. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll tell you, most of the time, Eve suggests it. Yeah. <laughs> credit where credit's due. Yeah. No, I, she'll suggest it. Most it. about ninety percent of the time. Yeah. And then on this one, I was feeling a lot, so I floated this one and I'll float it to her, you know, and others programming staff and all that. Yeah. And if I don't get no, that'll never work, then I'm like, okay, this this feels good. <laughs> Well, feels this is good. So yeah. relevant right now. Yeah, yeah it's and, so uh, relevant. Yeah. So thanks for saying that, uh, Psalm. And then you know you trust when you pray about it, Lord. What does the church need to hear? Yeah. Uh, you trust that, and then you go in through the process, and you trust the Lord will guide you in that. Right. Uh, Psalm fifty-seven this week. I've never preached on Psalm fifty-seven. So that's ever. week two. That's where you're yeah. going. Psalm okay. 57. Psalm fifty-seven. It, it, it too is a. It's a psalm. It's a psalm of David. Uh, last week, Psalm forty-two was a psalm by the sons of Korah. And uh, Korah was a priestly group, you know, son of Levi. Uh, so they were, and they were temple singers, the sons of Korah. They were appointed by David to sing in the temple, the sons of Korah, and great songwriters, Psalm 42. But this one's from David, uh, who's great songwriter, and he writes, and most commentators believe, from a, a cave running from King Saul. So it's... It's got a lot of emotion. Sheltered in place in a cave. Yes, that'll be the analogy. Thanks for listening today. Thank you, Pastor Brett and Pastor John, for joining me. Go ahead and check out our Spring Hills YouTube channel to find all of our recent message content, as well as a lot of our worship content. So we've been doing that online. You can check that out. Springhills.org will tell you exactly when and where you can watch the service live to interact with the staff and the Spring Hills team. And also, don't forget on our Spring Hills YouTube channel, we have the Next Gen Ministries videos. So we have preschool videos, uh, jam-packed, which is first through fourth graders, and then also the Club 5-6 video, so your kids can enjoy church at home as well. All right, have a great week. We'll see you this weekend.